We are five everyday women helping each other to grow, learn, and above all, supporting each other unconditionally to live our best lives. We understand that not everyone has a connection like ours, and our intention is that by sharing the ups and downs of our lives with real, raw, honest conversations and plenty of laughs, we can help you become more of who you are, help you stand up, walk taller, look the world in the eye, and know that you are enough and you are worth it. Hi, my name's Nolene and I'm super excited to be your host today and to be introducing you to the magnificent Michelle. So without further ado, ladies, let's talk. Now, I haven't known Michelle for very long and having only met her through Chrissy and our Forex trading group. However, one of the things that always grabs me about people when I first meet them is the sincerity and the genuineness of their smile. And I know our listeners can't see you, Michelle, However, I need them to know that you have the warmest, most welcoming smile and it just radiates joy and love. And so it was a real honour and a, a privilege for me to meet you the first time. So um, thank you for your beautiful smile and uh, I wish everybody could see that. Thank you, Nola. <laughs> and welcome. all my teeth. <laughs> it's a big smile and I... And I'm sure that uh, our listeners will jump onto our blog post and see some photos of you. So they'll, um, they'll understand exactly uh, what I mean by your beautiful big smile. So speaking of our blog post, uh, our blog posts can be found on ladiesletstalk.today. And after reading your blog, I realized that you and I actually have a lot in common. So I thought we might share some of those things. And the first thing is, as a fellow country chick, um, can you share some of your stories and experiences and life of growing up on a farm? Oh, I loved it. I think it's one of the greatest things, you, like greatest experiences for freedom as a child to grow up on a farm. Um, it wasn't a big farm. It's only about 80 to 100 acres and it was a tobacco farm. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> um, yeah um i'm a big anti-smoker <laughs> so for in my later years it was, it was a, a big um conflict but at the time it was a product that gave a very good return from fertile soil on a small acreage hard dirty work um long hours, only one season, but our farm, uh, we, we lived at the end of a lane and we had two family farms on either side and the other two borders, one was a big creek and a huge river. We lived on the farm till about, till I was about eight and in a two bedroom weatherboard, <laughs> like draft ridden, <laughs> Farmhouse. <laughs> I like um, farmhouses can be. Yeah, yeah. The old wooden stoves. Our, our house didn't have a built-in bathroom. We had an outback toilet and the dunny man used to come and pick up the cans and, <laughs> and used to trek out to the toilet with your siblings and stand outside the door so that, you know, they weren't alone in the dark by candlelight. <laughs> Um, I just got to yeah. say, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, no different. 
like right. going to school like oh my god there's inside toilets you're <laughs> <laughs> showing your age now <laughs> well did you have to trek like 16 miles through the snow to get to school with no, no shoes and but i listened to the poor my parents stories <laughs> no <laughs> we lived at the end of a lane but thankfully all those farms had kids so there was a bus that would come down and pick us up and my dad was a bus driver in off season sometimes too it was a, a great life like i didn't ever have a, a proper job till i left school because we always worked on the farm and you didn't get paid it was like you did it because you're part of the family it's it's hard to explain that to some people but you know you got to eat and clothed and and do pretty much all sports that you wanted but you also knew that you know you would get out at six o'clock in the morning and hand hoe the tobacco because you can't machine hoe it and when it's really little you would just get out there with your hat on and drink bottle at the end there rose and away you go but yeah i, I don't Lots of lots of stories, but <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't realise that we actually. Oh, this is my ignorance showing here. I didn't realise we grew tobacco in Australia. Is it just on the? Was it just on the <laughs> eastern seaboard? Yeah. So Victoria, northeast Victoria, was a very Italian-based community, and a lot of the farms around there grew tobacco. Um, up in Queensland, in Mariba they can grow two, two, um, two, twice a year because their climate was so much warmer. But we could only do one season in Victoria. It was quite a few years ago now that they have they stopped the quota system and banned growing the uh, tobacco. And a lot of the plants converted over to like blueberries, wineries, uh, peppermint, uh, a lot of alternative crops. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Oh, hey. There's something definitely that I didn't know about you. I didn't realise you were on a tobacco mm. farm. That's kind of cool. But mm. like you, I'm a bit, <laughs> it's kind of one, one of those things, isn't it, really? That yeah. we think, oh. <laughs> anyway, we'll oh, move on along. We won't dwell on the, the tobacco industry yeah. on this podcast is, to start with. So one of the other things that we have in common is that we both travelled around Australia with our families. Mm. However, the difference is that I went as a kid with my parents and you went as an adult with your kids. What prompted you to do that with your with your family? Ooh. My husband and I had always talked about it as one of those things you love to do and blah, blah, blah. But uh, we'd moved to Karatha and been there five years and my most favourite aunt in the world, who was like a second mum to me, passed away from bowel cancer. Um, and we just got thinking and thought, you know, life's just so short and nobody knows when their time is up. So we went, you know what, let's just do it. <laughs> so we had owner built our dream home in Perth and um, we sold it and we bought a caravan and a out, like an outdoor tent to go with us and upgrade the forward drive and away we went. That sounds awesome. Mm. It was actually.
where was your favourite place in Australia? Oh, that's really hard. Um, I was just looking through my photos the other day. Um, there's probably three. One was the tip of Australia at Cape York. Um, and it was more that you have to go through a lot of four-wheel driving through the old telegraph tracks. And the people we met along the way there and actually did parts of those trips with created the most amazing memories. Um, and that's why that one sticks with me besides the gloriousness of that actual place. Um, another one is Tassie, any part of Tassie. We were there for six weeks and I'd go back tomorrow in a heartbeat. It was just oh, beautiful. Oh absolutely beautiful um and the third one's a bit controversial but oh yeah since i was it. a child <laughs> i have always wanted to go to the center to Ayers rock or uluru now and do the climb and we did so um it was yeah it was an experience i have dreamt about and it was one of those things, bucket list things to pick up. It was a, um, it was a great, great place. Yeah, we, we actually climbed it too. And, and at that time it, was, it wasn't as, you know, there was obviously none of the restrictions on it then. And you actually yep. climbed up the top and you signed your little name in the book and you took your, you know. Hmm. Yeah, but I feel that a lot of people had a lot more respect for it then than they kind of do now. Yep. You know what I mean? You stayed yep. on the track and yeah. So. Yeah. Look, yeah. I was there I was there about 18 months ago and they like 18 months ago obviously they were talking about closing it down and you know that's why a lot of people were going there. Mm. And I really honestly never felt any need to climb it. I always thought that if I needed to see it from the top, I'd just take a helicopter over the top and that would be fine. Um, yeah, I, I never felt the need. And to be honest, I looked at the bottom of it and where the chain started and I was a little bit freaking scared. <laughs> like, there's not, there wasn't a whole lot holding you on the track as you climbed up, was there? No. Oh, no. There's only chain for about the first third and then there's no chain, no marking. You just... But that's part of the... Um, the joy of it is the experience of that place. And there's no, it's not like a, uh, an achievement as such. It's just to experience what it's like sitting on a rock, watching some, like there was a patch of grass up there that looked like a, a golf tee. Uh, you know, just yeah. pools of water and bird life. And yeah, I don't know. How to yeah. explain it, but mm. great memory. Mm. Yeah, Thank you. I, I yeah. agree, and I've climbed the rock as well uh, as a kid when we went around Australia, mm. and I'm scared of heights. And my most vivid memory of it was actually coming down, where mm. on your the, bum, yeah, on my <laughs> bum. I had I wore a hole in my jeans because yeah. I slid the whole way down because there ain't no way I was going any other way. I was yeah. terrified. I would However, pay money to see that. Yeah, I've got photos. <laughs> However, it was a really interesting experience for us as kids because, uh, of course, I see it very differently now as an adult. Mm. I've been back to the rock a few times since. Um, mm. And I understand why people 
firstly want to do it and secondly don't want to do it. But yeah. I'm glad you've done it because it's an amazing experience to do, mm. isn't it? It's mm. fantastic. Mm. So what was one of the biggest challenges you had on that experience going around <laughs> Australia? Oh, what could go wrong in a caravan <laughs> with two boys and a husband? <laughs> we were actually, we didn't have that many challenges. I'm using inverted commas, if you can see it. Um, the, the funniest one that comes to mind is we were in a caravan park in Melbourne and it had not stopped raining. Surprise, surprise. Um, but the kids and Joel got the worst gastro ever. Like, holy, sh you know what? <laughs> and I spent about three days washing sheets and clothes and, oh, no. and making soup in a 25 foot caravan. <laughs> I didn't get it. Like, oh, live in the dream, Michelle. <laughs> no, I didn't. But that was three days we just wrote off. Like, we are just going to watch movies. This is before Netflix kitties. It was um, <laughs> DVDs and whatever it could hire for, from the caravan park and wiped everything down. Looking back, it was probably a really good preparation for the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to mention um, that. <laughs> no, let's not go there. <laughs> like, sanitise everything. So... That would have been out my biggest challenge. I love it. Jeez, Michelle, how's the serenity? Always <laughs> oh, brilliant after, before and after that. <laughs> yeah, having having gone around in the same size caravan as, as you mm. guys, uh, there was three of us kids and uh, I can mm -hmm. imagine, we I don't know that we ever had an experience like that, but uh, I can imagine it would have been pretty full on so so moving right along I'm going to move into uh something that's a little bit deeper and a little bit heavier uh but I feel it's like it's an experience that a lot of people relate to um one of those experiences is something else we have in common and we've both been had had close and personal experiences with cancer yours far more personal than mine with both yourself and your mum can you share a little bit about that yep um, mine was for a short time. Uh, I had a suspicion that we I had a variant cancer. I was 28, um, been with Joel a, a short, short time. Um, but in the end, it wasn't cancer. I ended up with fibroids and had an operation. Um, from that up, though, the doc said if I woke up the drainage tube, I had had a hysterectomy and I wouldn't be able to have kids. Um, at the time, I didn't worry me. I didn't want to have kids or get married <laughs> from a woman who's been married 21 years and two boys. Um, <laughs> I wanted to keep researching and find a cure for cancer. That was my life dream. Um, but when I woke up and had that tube in, I was devastated. Like, I just thought, oh my God, I just, that the choice had been taken from me. I was going to um, say, it's one thing to make the decision, isn't it? But to yep. have it taken out of your hands, hands like that's just is another. rude. Yeah. Yeah. So, in that sense, um, I'd gone through a whole gamut of emotions. Um, and then, yeah, it, 
oh, like I've gone, I now have two kids and a very happy marriage. So that wasn't so bad. Um, then the, I'd spoken earlier, my aunt who died of bowel cancer, she was the most beautiful human to walk on this earth. She was a kindergarten teacher. She was healthy. She played sport. She didn't drink or smoke. And she was like a second mum to me. She'd had a, you know, shitty life growing up. But, oh, she was just such, such a beautiful person. And when she passed, it was like I was heartbroken. And, yeah, that made our decision to travel much easier. Uh, about five years ago, uh, my mum was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. She'd been a pack or two day day smoker for as long as I can remember. And it had been a source of many an argument <laughs> with me as I got older. Um, we talked all the time, but she lived in Victoria and um, she was on her own and running a business and, you know, that was just her life. But when she got diagnosed, <clears throat> I flew over and attended appointments with her. Um, I have, I'm a medical scientist trained, um, been in PATH for like 20, 25 years. And I just knew when the results came in, in my heart, that there was no hope. And it's hard to sit there and have conversations with I, your mother about wanting to explain exactly what's going on but not give her false hope but want to give her false hope because that's what she wanted um and that like I'm it's five years later and I'm just finally processing her death in a way that I have found a lot of compassion and forgiveness for her and her life choices. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And, I, and I think if that sort of leads me on to my next question, which is how do you think those experiences have shaped you as a woman? When I first read that question or heard that question, I was more like, not shape me as a woman per se, but as a person. I, I don't know why I struggle with that whole phrasing, but I just do something I, I obviously need to work on. <laughs> um, it has, oh, you put yourselves in the lives of those people um, a lot. And that's the way you find, I find, I try to make sense of things. Like I was raised a Roman Catholic, good Italian girl. Um, I do not practice it. I don't follow an indoctrinated religion at all. Um, I had a lot of struggle with, why the hell, if there's this God, does this happen to such good people? And I just never could reconcile that in my head. Um, so shaping me as a person and as a woman, um, it just, it makes you who you are, how you learn to process it. And sometimes it'll never make sense, but you have to find a sense of it to 
um, to keep going. Do you step away from, like, I was brought up Catholic as well, Irish Catholic, my family are, but let's not even go there, right? Um, <laughs> did it make you step away? Like you said, it, you know, if there was a God, how could they do this? Um, did it make you kind of step away from religion a little bit and investigate more of the spiritual side of life? Because I know that you are quite a spiritual person. I would have to say no. It had. I had already gone way away from it um, at a very young enough age to the point of I'd be sitting in church and looking around, going, "You're all just mumbling the same stuff." Like, <laughs> it, and in my head, I'm not actually saying it, but I'm like, and then they're all purport to be Christian people and outside of church, they're like horrible people. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So no, a long, long way away from it for a long, early age. I think that that, the, that concept of um, religion versus spirituality versus God is something that we will definitely touch oh, yeah. on in a podcast in the very near future because it's very relevant for what's going on at the moment but until then we might move on because I know that we could get into that one for quite some time but I I just want to thank you for for sharing that uh, Michelle because I know there'll be a lot of people listening to that who have similar experiences and Mm. and I know our, our listeners can't see but we have a video going on and I can see that it touched Every single one of us, I've got a little tear dripping down my cheek and I know that Beck was touched by it and I could see it in Mel, I could see it in Chrissy, and we've all had an experience mm. there. So thank you so much for firstly the courage to share that um, and secondly the willingness to because a lot of people don't want to talk about that experience because it's so hard to process. So let's go into mm. something a little bit more lighthearted <laughs> and a little bit fun. I'm going to throw it over to Mel as uh, she's oh, got something she yeah. wants to ask you about. So. Are you ready? Always. So, darling Michelle, it's no secret that when we very first met, uh, you really didn't like me, did you? Like, I just thought you didn't no. like me, but I wasn't if it worked at it. You didn't no. like me. There you go. It's done. <laughs> right. That's my question done. No. So what was it that, that really pushed, I guess, pushed the buttons in you from me um, and what's changed? Because I would say like over the last couple of months, we've become very close. So what's changed and, and what's it taught you? No, I did not like the person I saw. Um, I met, I saw you at the first conference in June last year. And I remember sitting back with not, oh, actually we were at the front. I've got a vivid memory of this. Um, was at the end of probably the second day and you were just on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't shut up the whole bloody time. You were like, hand up, me, 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 me. And Nolene had wanted to ask you something. There was all these people out by the front and I stand there next to it and you just going off. And I remember raising my like eyes wide open to Nolene and just like, I was physically like retreating into my body, (laughs) went away. Um, But I wasn't in a good place there. I was very physically and mentally uh, exhausted. And my way of dealing with that sort of stuff is to avoid and retreat. 
because I, yeah, I'm not myself. Then I made some life choices before the next event. I had quit my job because I was very stressed. Um, and when I met you the next time, you were just not you. You were not that person from that conference. You were jet lagged, really tired. <laughs> and I don't know, I, I was thinking about that this last night and I remember, what did I say? I was thinking in my head, I was watching you on the couch. Oh, for those that don't know. So Chrissy had already asked me, could Mel stay with us? And I was like, no. Nah. Not in my room. <laughs> oh, <way. laughs> I'm an, I like I'm an introvert, and I need my space to recharge. And I was like, I'll kill her. Like, there's no <laughs> way I could share a room with her. <laughs> you were very diplomatic, Chrissy. I never yes. knew that it was yep. Michelle. Michelle actually yep. told me that it was yeah. Michelle. Uh, look, yeah. it shouldn't. I'm not ashamed of that. I need to protect me. And me was saying, uh-uh. <laughs> but I'm a normally very generous person. So, like, it was a bit of conflict. But in the end, I was like, I can't. I can't. I'm not going to do a wee <laughs> with no space. <laughs> so, Mel had got off a plane. She was jet lagged. Red-eye flight. Like, Perth and Darwin people understand the red-eye mm -hmm. flight. It is yep. the worst freaking flight Fly. in the world. Yep. But it. it wasn't just that. Like, your whole, you know, your whole person was different. <laughs> you were quiet and very sad. It was my impression. And we were in a unit, as you know, with some interesting guests. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was watching you on the couch trying to sleep and then I was watching you you're trying to keep your space and not intrude, which was just not what anything I'd seen earlier. And I remember coming out and offering you to sleep down on the couch in my room, which I know like everyone's eyes were like, what the <laughs> hell? Who is this woman and what's she been drinking, right? Yeah, and I wasn't drinking. So, um, yeah. And then, when because I was tired and I'm like that. If I'm at a, at a party or a group gathering, I will be the one who sneaks away and goes to bed sort of thing. Um, and so we did. went downstairs and we ended up just chatting and we had some D&Ms and... Yeah, and the next day we just kept chatting and found we had a lot of cod on and yeah, we just sort of went from there. It was freaking awesome. I loved our connection. Mm. And I just want to say, you said no to me and then you were punished. You got in double trouble. Just saying. <laughs> Why? Why was I punished? What have I done that well, you got some other as a guests. punishment? You got some guests that, you know, uh, you were yeah. punished. That in itself was a learning curve, wasn't it, Chrissy? Mm. Hmm. So you just learn to, to yes, deal with what's going on at the moment and find a way to make it work. Very good. Mm -hmm. Michelle, I, um, I'm just getting to know you, so I haven't had the opportunity um, or had many conversations um, with you. 
But um, what would be the most or just three things in general that I absolutely need to know about you for not only me, but the listeners? Wow. Um, well, I said before, I'm an introvert, but it doesn't mean like I like quiet and I like my space. I like to read my books and things like that. But I like genuinely like people. Um, I just don't like them all at once. <laughs> so fellow sense? introvert, I understand. Yeah. Um, number two would be family is everything to me. Um, especially my immediate family. I've been accused of being very protective. <laughs> um, yeah, just for me, that whole family environment is paramount. It, it doesn't, it, it does dictate, it has dictated a lot of my life choices. Um, some, or mostly for the good. Um, and threes, I am a constant seeker of knowledge and enlightenment like there I don't I don't listen to music for pleasure much anymore I'm, I'm always listening to a book or uh, how to do something or how to make something better or yeah I just I just have this thirst that just never never goes away <laughs> and I think when people read your blog post, they'll uh, see that you mm. are a scientist mm. by trade and a mm. scientist by nature. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I actually have. Yeah, because you mentioned knowledge. I've actually have a question for you reading your blog and your, your sense of knowledge. Can I ask, um, and excuse my ignorance, <laughs> but you popped in there. I uh, worked for a private forensics. Now, when you say private forensics, is there a difference? Now, isn't that an interesting occupation anyway, for a start? I thought I picked that up straight away. Chrissy, know, it's not private parts, okay? <laughs> no, well, that's, and I was like, so what is, well, actually, I didn't even think of it that way, Mel. No, excuse me, Chrissy, be real. Yeah, <laughs> what is private, private forensics? That just means it's, Okay, so forensics literally means for the courts, but with the, the TV and the way it's portrayed, we always associate it with solving crimes. Yeah. But forensics is, uh, private forensics is just a company, a private company that does forensic work in some respects. So some of it was for the police but some of it was for like food forensics or gold and diamond forensics. So you're using laboratory techniques to prove A, that something is what it says as it is. So like pork, eggs, are they free range eggs? Are they cage eggs? And yes, How do you tell? the difference chemically um, is the best way they say it. She's, there she's is ways and ways to to do this um like no what about carrots can you tell the difference between organic carrots and non-organic carrots yeah because the soil in which they're grown will have uh microscopic components that are different same as wines you Shut can tell if a wine's up. from south australia 
or France or Victoria because the soils in which they grow contribute to the product, contribute to the grape. And in minute amounts, each will have a different signature. And ah. you compare those signatures and that's how you tell uh, well, there you trace go. elements. That's fascinating, Michelle. Yeah, like, I, I mean, what got you into that? Why did you go down that line? <laughs> that is very that's fascinating. Cool. It was the actual lab place that I worked at. Um, some very smart people worked there. Uh, and as in chemistry smart. But, yeah, and that's all I'll say. It was a, a great place to learn and that sort of work really appealed to me but it was more the police side of it that I wanted to, to do and I couldn't really do it there. Oh you didn't really get a lot of that there that was more no. just laboratory yeah because I just thought forensics was just police stuff mm. like what I see on the telly that's mm. hence my question there you go. Well, thanks mm. for debunk debunking that myth Michelle that's awesome. No <laughs> yeah, We're learning fabulous. lots of cool stuff this morning that's awesome. Yeah I love it. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. When you get a bunch of women in a room, we're freaking amazing creatures, are we not? (laughs) Like we, you know, like I think we get lost in things. Look, I can speak for four out of five of us here are mums and I think we sometimes go down that trail of I'm a mum and we kind of lose our identity through that. But, you know, I used to do party plan and I found when you've got a group of women in the room, Holy shit, man! Like we could solve anything. The <laughs> well, knowledge we that we, but the knowledge that we bring yeah. to the table is freaking like out of this world insane. And I mean, Michelle is a prime example of that here today. Like, shut the front door, I'm blown away. Yeah, we know shit. <laughs> yeah, we do. We like to and tell people that we know shit know too. Shit. Yeah, we do know people who know shit. Chrissy's married to one of them. <laughs> he knows a lot of shit. <laughs> Okay, moving right along before we get stuck into our husbands or your husbands because I don't have mm. one. Um, you are an, an amazing person, Michelle, because you've done some pretty phenomenal things. And in this incredibly fast-changing world that we're living mm. in right today, uh, a lot of people are going back to or having to go back to things like homeschooling. And you homeschooled your boys, didn't you? Yep. <laughs> are you willing to share a little bit about that experience i mean obviously sure. it was before everybody else it was kind mm. of before the time really weren't you setting mm. a trend we chose to homeschool rather than do distance education when we traveled <clears throat> distance education involves you knowing six to eight weeks ahead of where you're going to be so a you can send work back and they can send work to you. And we'd be like sitting on a roadside stop somewhere, chatting to someone and go, oh, let's go this way and do this this at the moment. Which meant if we were in a structured environment like that, there's no way we could have done it. So, I mean, I, I've got a degree. I figured I was pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'd actually worked at a college, a school college, secondary college, um, as a the science tech and the IT tech at the school for like five years and had lots of teacher friends. So we just decided to do the homeschooling. Um, that involved, we registered the kids in an online environment to do 
maths and so, uh, maths and English, so Mathletics and Spelladrome. If people want to, and they're still around, brilliant. You um, just log in for their age and their states, because some of the states have different levels and whatever. Um, and that was the that, that sort of set as curriculum as such of what they and they needed to know for those years. So the boys were nine and 11 when we left. Um, and they were pretty, they were reasonably switched on kids anyway, not highly academic, but we just modified it. So wherever we went was history and geography. I mean, we went to Canberra and at the War Memorial, you know, we, we, I made them do a project on it. Um, we just made it relative. Um, at the moment, it would be difficult because you can't leave your house to, to do that with. And with my science background, like, I mean, I've always done stuff with the kids, their birthday parties. One of them was a, a science, like basic science experiments, just fun stuff like the volcanoes and the milk and uh, when I say milk, like colour drops and detergent in milk and you watch the surface changes and the like kaleidoscope colours, all this sort of stuff. Like, I mean, I'm a nerd. So, <laughs> so my, yeah. But I mean, you, you got to travel, right? And like you said, they could learn mm. the history and stuff. And at the mm. moment, like you said, no one can do that. Yeah. Um, what did you find sort of um, being your your greatest challenge? And, and, and I mean, now that a lot of mums mm -hmm. are homeschooling and some mm -hmm. may be listening going, well, I'm not a nerd or I'm not um, that clever and I can't travel. Yep. Um, but what, what did you sort of, maybe a bit more, what did you find was your greatest challenge, do you think, during this time? To understand that you can't run a regimented system like school is at home because you have hats to wear you're a mum then you're the teacher then you're the cook so you have to find a you, I did find it easier to say right between this time and this time this is going to be school like my kids were really lucky, really lucky they didn't get car sick so when we packed up and we were moving on I'd say right you do your reading or your maths in the car. So by the time we got where to where we where we want to be, they could be present. They'd be part of, you know, they had their jobs for setting up and getting things ready. And then they could explore and we could go on ventures and we you just have to make it relative and relational for your kids mm. and you and don't be don't think you have to be the teacher and it's okay not to know the answers but yeah in this day of the internet you can find those answers or encourage them to find the answers yeah. so it's more about not the actual knowledge but teaching them the skills to acquire that knowledge. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That Great would be answer. my suggestion. So the biggest thing I kind of got is having to wear those different hats and, and let yourself mm. do that, I think. And yeah. I think the thing that I got out of that, Michelle, was that um, the flexibility and yeah. not being not saying, okay, you have to sit down from this time to this time and do this. So inter uh, creating a bit of playtime in that yeah that education as well and not 
we're not sitting in a classroom now looking at a, a whiteboard or a blackboard or whatever it is they use these mm. days, um, listening to the teacher talk. So it's yeah. being a bit more fun and a bit more interactive and learning can be broken up throughout the day. So you don't just have to sit there for four hours and learn. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Cool. And yeah. I think you said too, you were teaching them to want to learn. Mm. Um, and, and like I can remember teaching my son to count the really big numbers as we were running through Bunnings because he was looking at all the numbers of the aisles. Yep. He was yelling them all out as he was running down the aisle, so excited because all of a sudden he understood 37, 38, 39. And mm. when you make it more practical too, I think it sinks in better for them. Mm. I mean, they, everybody learns differently anyway. Some people like books, some people are tactile, some people need audio or visual. Um, it's about, you know, your kids. So what works, what doesn't work is sometimes a bit easier, except when you hit a challenge and think, oh my God, nothing's working. <laughs> like example, Wade's going to kill me, but Joel and I are really good at maths. Like it just, is <laughs> like, oh you suck i hate math bloody hell teaching him fractions we did like oh. cut the food and and he'd be good next day lost it all like <laughs> and we just shit he's never gonna get this like how do we teach it um and he can't he understood like and then he understands it now it was just Oh, just at the time come on <laughs> otherwise you get fat chrissy if you get the whole pie <laughs> <laughs> so beck you've got um a couple of small kids at home now mm. and with everything being shut down you've got them home i know we're on school holidays at the moment but does that help you with what you're doing with your kids at home michelle's just found a new best friend <laughs> Ask me anything. Um, we are still using Mathletics today, so that's one thing I wanted to say. Um, that's what my mm. son is doing. But my son is also dyslexic, um, and that in itself has been a huge challenge, which challenge. will be another conversation mm. that we can have another day. Um, but that's my biggest struggle: is learning has always come easy to me, so I don't ever mm. remember. Um, finding school difficult and finding a way that I can explain how what I know to him um, mm. so we were doing fractions the other day so I got the fruit and cut it up because I can't explain yeah. it any other way but because he's a bit of a visual learner as well and all these dyslexic and visual learning and all these big words that they tag on everything now is all new to me as well so Ooh, the challenges there and um, mm. I know there's lots of mums out there that haven't been doing a lot um, because of, of all the pressures that we're under under these like these circumstances. Mm. Do you know another it's, great way for fractions? Cooking, double a recipe or half a recipe mm. and have them half the cups and double the cups. If I've got a quarter of a cup and I need to double it, how much is it? That's a half a cup, Chrissy. Just let me know. Yeah, that is actually how I did learn a lot of my stupid fractions. And stupid I, stuff. I guess the thing is, with those sorts of learnings, there's a physical outcome as well. So then you eat cake, and everybody get, wants to learn fractions, right? I get to eat the apple too, Beck. You know, if you're using apples to cut up, which I think is uh, mm. fantastic. So, um, 
I think that this session has been awesome. We've learned so much about you, Michelle. There's <laughs> some really cool stuff in there. I hope that everyone else has had uh, a really fun time listening to us chatting about you and discovering a little bit more about you. So I just want to wrap up and say thank you so much for everybody jumping on today. Uh, thank you to our Ladies Let's Talk group, uh, Chrissy, Beck, Mel, Michelle. You guys are awesome. Michelle, thank you for opening your heart to us today. You know, it was really as I said, there were some big topics in there and I hope that helps our listeners get in touch with you a little bit. So thank you so much for sharing on our Ladies Let's Talk. We look forward to you joining us on our next episode where we're going to introduce you to one of our other members. So stay tuned. And uh, until then, please walk taller and remember you are enough and you are worth it. <laughs>